Um, and I'm just going to share my life story a little bit with y'all today, get to know me. Um, let's go ahead and get an elephant in the room out of the way. I am pregnant, so you do not have to sit there and wonder the whole time that you're sitting there. I am pregnant, so don't worry about it. You can look at my stomach. Um, so I was born in 1992. Don't do the math and hurt your head. I'm 26 years old. This is me when I was a baby. Um, my mom didn't like pink, so she put me in blue anyway, and I was always in ruffles, so I don't know. Liked ruffles, but not pink. Um, and then if you go to the next slide, this is my family. These are my parents and my sister and I. <laughs> the amount of denim in this picture is out of control. Um, it was very, very 90s. So my parents, um, they were high school sweethearts, the classic. They just celebrated their like 35th anniversary, something like that. I can't even remember. They've been together for forever. Um, and this is my younger sister. She's a cutie pie. There we are. Um, so that's us in our Easter dresses up there. And then this is an atrocious picture of me from middle school. Um, you guys are welcome for that one. My sister is like my equal and my opposite all at the same time. If you are a girl and you have a sister, you understand this. Um, she is exactly like me in the sense that we can read each other's minds. We always know what we're thinking. We think a lot alike. We, lot, we like a lot of the same things, but our interests are completely different. Um, I grew up playing sports, playing outside. Um, I didn't really, wasn't motivated by school very much. Uh, it was kind of a slacker. My sister, however, was a dance kid, drama kid, loved to sing, um, and was always getting straight A's. So we were completely polar opposites growing up, which made for a funny family dynamic. Um, three things that you need to know about my family. And if you even remotely like one of these things at all, you're in with my family, no questions asked. Number one, we love to ski. We take skiing very seriously. You also must be a good skier to ski with us. We take it very seriously. So this is us when we were really little skiing. Um, gosh, that's an awkward picture. Um, this is us when we were little skiing. We go every year still to this day. We absolutely love it. It is like special time for my family. The second thing about my family is Disney World. We love Disney World. My Disney fanatics get it. Uh, we've been to Disney World like eight times or something ridiculous. This is a picture of my husband and I most recently. He's been dragged in on the madness with us. Um, so we love, love Disney World. And last and most importantly in my family is we love OU football. Um, so, grew up in Oklahoma, die-hard OU fan. For most of you, that is a foreign concept, and that's okay. I'm in the wrong part of the country. Um, yeah, there's Tulsa. So, grew up a huge OU football fan. Every single Saturday, we were in Norman at a football game. This was my life. Both my parents went to OU. My dad played baseball there. This was my life growing up. Um, so, like I said, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, in Tulsa, and they kind of had a map of where it is since a lot of Texans don't know much outside of Texas. Um, there it is. It's, there is a state north of here, and that's where I grew up, in Tulsa. Um, it was very much a suburban lifestyle. Um, Tulsa is a little bigger than Temple, probably four times the size of Temple. So pretty big, um, but not huge, and kind of grew up in a suburban lifestyle. Um, we always joke that Tulsa is the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. Um, and so if you go to the next picture, this is my high school, and that's my church in the background, and that's pretty much all you did was you went to school. We obviously loved high school football because there's no professional sports in Oklahoma, at least not until the Thunder. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but that's my church back there, too. So I've lived my entire life, basically, between the school and the church right there. Um, 
And this is just kind of how I grew up in this way and just kind of your pretty typical suburban lifestyle. Um, nothing too extraordinary there. Um, like I said, that was my home church. My parents um, started going there when I was three years old. They actually became Christians when I was three years old. They wouldn't have really called themselves Christians up until that point. And um, that's when they actually became Christ followers. So I started going when I was three and absolutely loved church, loved everything about it. When I was four, um, I dedicated my heart to Christ. Um, I actually remember saying the prayer when I was four years old. But obviously at that time, I didn't fully understood, understand what that meant. Um, pretty much all I knew was that Jesus died, which was nice of him. And I knew that heaven sounded really awesome. And that was pretty much it, um, which is good and it's enough. So at this point, I think this is a, an important step that I made in my Christian faith. But this, wasn't, this isn't really the point that I look to and say, that's when I became a Christian because I didn't really understand it, um, even though it was an important point for me. So this brings me to my first word, which is the word searching. Um, and so this is kind of how I spent a majority of my childhood through middle school years, was in kind of this period of searching. Because um, like I said, I knew who Christ was, um, and I knew that I liked, I liked God, and I liked those things, and I went to church, and I liked all that, uh, but I didn't really know much more than that, and I kind of spent my life searching. So fast forward to middle school. Um, I was super involved in my youth group. Um, I absolutely loved it. I had a blast, but I was pretty much only in my youth group because it was fun. There were fun events. We went to camps. I had good friends, um, and that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, I didn't understand the point of it. I was kind of missing the whole community church part of it. Um, none of that really hit me. It was just something fun to do. It's what I did. Um, and in middle school, my entire life was pretty much focused on wanting to fit in. I went to a massive high school. Um, I graduated with 998 uh, people, and I think we had my sixth grade class had like 1,200 people in it. Um, so it was a huge, huge school. Um, and so when I was in sixth grade, we went from an elementary school of 80 people, and then they throw you into sixth grade with 1,200, which is insane. But when I made that transition, um, I just was trying so desperately to fit in. My entire life became about trying to like talk to the right guys, which at that point is like, it was instant messenger back then, anybody? Um, so it was instant messenger. Those of you my age and older get that. Um, that. That's what our relationships were, but it was trying to talk to the right people and have the right friends and wear the right clothes and just do the right things. That that's what my entire life revolved around because I was searching for something else that I didn't have. Um, and then in eighth grade, um, I went to, well, I'd been to many summer camps at this point, but I went to um, a summer camp with my church, just like normal, like I always had. But I remember one night the pastor said something, and he was talking about our sin. Um, and he was talking, um, and he was talking about our sin and surrendering, and he was talking about all these things that I had never really truly heard before. And um, at that point, it kind of started to stick with me that something was different. And I started to understand my sin, and I started to understand why Christ actually died on the cross for us. Um, and at that point is when I would say I became a Christian. I rededicated my life to Christ, and it became about what he had done for me, not just that he was really cool and up in heaven. <laughs> and so at that point is when I would say I actually became a Christ follower. However, um, went back and entered into high school right after that. And in high school, I would still say I was in this period of searching. While I would say at this point that I was actually a Christian, 
I was very much stuck in this back and forth. Um, I was very wavering in my faith. Um, I would kind of go back to this desperate trying to fit in, trying to be cool, trying to make all these decisions for this, but I knew in my heart that it wasn't right because now I had conviction. And I knew in my heart that what I was doing wasn't actually going to be satisfying. Um, And so I kind of went back and forth for a really long time, and it caused me to lose the trust of a lot of people around me. Um, I lost the trust of a lot of my friends because sharing gossip was more important, and so I kind of became a backstabber. Um, I would lie to my parents. Um, I was just doing all sorts of things to lose the trust of people around me because I was so much more focused on trying to fit in and trying to be cool um, than I was in actually following Christ. And so that's how ninth and 10th grade year kind of went for me um, in the early stages of high school, is that that's kind of what my life was. I just went back and forth and back and forth um, and never really made a solid commitment to follow Christ because I was still missing it. Um, while, I, again, I had made these steps in my faith, I was still missing the point. I was still missing, missing a personal relationship with him. And then in 11th grade, my youth pastor came to me and asked me, if I would be a leader on our middle school camp, and I said yes, just because my friends were going, and I went, and I absolutely fell in love with the students. Um, I started to understand what church actually was for. I realized that it was for community. Um, I realized that I got a beautiful picture because there were a lot of adults there that were pouring into me, and I was pouring back into middle schoolers, and I got a beautiful picture of what the church was actually supposed to be, that it wasn't just for fun. It is fun, but it wasn't just for fun. Um, And so that happened at that camp. And also, I remember one night, I was speaking so passionately to my girls in our small group. I think I had sixth grade girls. And I was speaking so passionately to them about how I wanted them to have a personal relationship with Christ. Because again, I knew all these things in my head. And I was telling them so strongly that you you should be reading your Bible. You should be praying. You should be doing all these things. You should be in Bible study. And it just kind of hit me. It's like, and you're doing none of that. Um, And I kind of had that aha moment. Um, And this is when I would say my life kind of started to flip, um, which would go to my next word, which was surrender. And the verse that was actually the theme verse for that week at camp, um, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, it's Matthew 16, 24 through 25. And it says, Then Jesus told the disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, And that was the theme verse that week at that camp and kind of became um, a jumping off point for me that I started to actually understand what that meant. I started to actually understand that what I was missing was surrender. That while I had understood where, I had understood what Christ did for me and I had understood my sin, I had missed the point of now what? Now do something about it and actually giving up my life and what I wanted and giving it to God. Um, And so this is when I would say I entered into a state of surrender. And I finally gave up the things that I was chasing before, and I started actually chasing God. Um, And when that happened, it was amazing how my life just kind of like did a 180. I actually started reading my Bible. Um, I actually started praying. Um, I was actually going to youth group not just for fun, but to serve to be a part of something. I was involved in community. I was engaging in Bible studies. And when I started to do all these things, I noticed that, like, my friend group just kind of naturally changed. I was surrounding myself with people that were actually pushing me in my faith instead of holding me back. Um, I noticed that my attitude was changing. 
I was gaining my parents' trust back just naturally. Um, a lot of my relationships with my friends, the ones that I had destroyed, were mended. Um, it was just crazy how so quickly, just because I changed something in my life, that because I started following Christ, because I started reading the Bible and actually chasing after him, how everything just kind of fell into place. I'm not saying it was perfect and it was easy, but it was just when my attitude changed and I brought joy into my life, I had a very different perspective. Um, and all these things began to kind of fall into place. Um, and that brings us to college. Uh, this will shock you. I decided to go to the University of Oklahoma. Um, so uh, I started freshman year at OU, Boomer Sooner. Um, in my very first year of college, uh, like what happens with many, my faith was tested um, extremely, and I failed miserably um, in my first semester. So my first semester of college, I got there. Um, it's a huge university. Um, there are lots of people. There was a lot of peer pressure, and I gave in, um, and I started to party. Um, at this point, I reached kind of a, what I would call a rock bottom um, in my life, where I got to this point where I knew what I was doing was so unbelievably wrong, um, and yet I was still, like, stuck in it, and I was too scared to come to God. Um, and I've had so, uh, quite a few moments like this in my life, and I'm sure you guys have had too when you kind of make a mistake and you decide, okay, I should bring it to God. I know he wants me to bring it to him, but then I'm going to actually have to deal with it. Um, and I kind of ended up in this, where I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to have to come basically confront it. Um, and so I was just stuck. And then, um, luckily, God put incredible community in my life. Um, I've got a picture of some of my closest friends from school. Oh, it's at a football game. I'm sorry. Uh, so that's me, my friend Natalie Taylor, and Lily. Um, and so these were my rock, um, especially that freshman year. And what's funny is Taylor's actually a year younger than me, um, and she was in high school, and she was still calling and texting me, basically asking me, what are you doing? Um, and so these girls were basically my rock. Um, they, I would literally say they pulled me out. I mean, it was God, but he used them uh, to pull me out of my rock bottom, I would call it. And that's when I realized just how important community is around you. That without these girls constantly telling me, God still loves you. He still wants you. Come back to him. Stop running from him. That without them, I'm not sure if I would have. Um, excuse me. Um, so community was so important to me. And I faced, because of them and because of their prodding, is really what it was, I eventually came to the point where I, got, I surrendered again. Um, again, community is wonderful and that they can point you back, but eventually it's still got to be your choice. Um, and so I reached another point where I had to surrender to God, um, and I did. And then after that, um, I entered a great period of growth in college through sophomore and junior year, um, that instead of going to parties and drinking and doing things I shouldn't, I was going to parties to be a light. Um, I wasn't drinking even when I was 21. Um, I was sharing the gospel. Um, basically God just kind of did another 180 in me um, and that rest of college was just an incredible season of growth and learning and growing in my faith um, like I said I had incredible friends um, I had a great boyfriend who's now my husband and he's back there you can look at him it'll make him really awkward um, <laughs> and then I switched my major to a major I actually liked uh, it's okay to switch your major don't worry about it um, I was getting good grades again and I was so excited. Um, this was through junior year. And at the end of junior year, I had an incredible internship that was coming up that was just around the corner. 
that I was so excited for. I was going to go back to my home church and be an intern in the student ministry there, and I couldn't wait for it. Um, which is going to bring me to my next word, which is pruning, which is probably my least favorite word ever. Um, so I've got a definition of pruning for you, um, which is to trim by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. And what I love is I pulled this off the internet. Like It's not a spiritual definition or anything. But I love that it adds in there, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. It's basically this process of cutting off the dead branches of plants and bushes and trees or whatever and cutting them off so that the tree may continue to grow. Um, And then there's plenty of examples in the Bible of pruning, but we've got one in John, um, which is a verse that I really love. Um, that I turn to all the time, which is, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, So this verse tells us that if it's not bearing fruit, he's going to take it away. We get that. That makes sense. But also, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes anyway, that it may bear more fruit than it really was. Um, So this process of pruning wasn't something that I had really experienced in my life until this moment. Um, I got a call that I told you I was really excited about that internship that was just around the corner. And I got a call that I was not going to be getting the job. It was actually one of my best friends that called to tell me I would not be getting the job at my home church because they gave it to someone else who didn't even go to my church um, and that it wasn't going to be me. And I was crushed and heartbroken and I did not understand why. Um, And so I'd say this was a period of pruning for me, that God had to cut something away to make way for something better. Um, Because it would have been horrible for me to go back to my hometown at the exact same church, living with my parents, to just do that as an internship. I know that now, but then it hurt. Then it hurt really bad. Instead, I went to Dallas in a city I didn't know, with people I didn't know, and a job I didn't know and understand. But it was a job working at a missions organization, which is one of the coolest jobs I've ever had. Um, So now I know that God had something so much better for me, but it took this process of pruning. He had to cut something away that hurt pretty bad so that he could make way for something better. And then, um, like I said, I had a great internship I absolutely loved. Um, And then at the end of that summer, um, on July 27th, 2014, I woke up to 30 text messages. I'm going to try really hard not to cry. Sorry, guys. Um, from friends and family. Um, They told me that my best friend, Taylor, who was in that picture not too long ago, um, and there she is again, that's us in high school, that she had been hit by a drunk driver and was fighting for her life. Um, So I spent the next 36 hours waiting. Basically, she was in a coma, and they were trying to decide if she had enough brain activity. Um, And then the next day, on July 28th, we found out that she had no brain activity, and they pulled the plug. Um, and my best friend died. I was so angry. Sorry. I was so unbelievably angry at the woman that hit her, at Taylor for driving a beetle bug, and at God. I was beyond angry with him because he let such a good woman go. I went back to school that year and was in a really dark dark period of my life. I was still surrounded with great community and great support. 
because those other girls from that picture I was living with, um, and they were going through the same thing that I was going through. So I still had great community and support around me, but I was still stuck in kind of a pit of darkness. Um, this went on for a really long time, um, and I, it's in my head, I knew that God had a plan. <laughs> I even got to the point where if one more person told me that God had a plan, I was going to throat punch him because I got it, but I didn't actually understand it. It was so big and tough that I didn't understand how he could have a plan with something like this. And so it's something that I really struggled with for a really long time. Um, And then about six months later, I started to get some proof of how something good could come from something like this. But I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, So... Like I said, I went to high school with Taylor. Her mom was the vice principal, which I highly recommend because that got us out of a lot of trouble. Um, so her mom, gosh, her mom used to embarrass us to our very core. Every time we would like, she'd like, we'd go to the movies or anything like that. Anytime we were leaving the house, as we were walking out the door, she would always say, go light the world. She would always tell us that, go light the world. And then to just to completely mortify us when Twitter became a thing, which was like my senior year of high school, Uh, When Twitter became a thing, she got on Twitter, which was just awful, and she would tweet at us, hashtag, go light the world. And we used to make fun of her all the time um, for saying this to us everywhere she went. Um, And I have uh, the the verse that it comes from. It comes from Matthew 5. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what she was actually doing (laughs) was reminding us that we take our faith with us. We take our light with us everywhere we go, that we're to be a light in the world. And so that's what she was doing when we were in high school, that she would always say that. But what was great about her little hashtag, Go Light the World, is that we started to use it um, after Taylor passed. We started to use it among our friends, with her. She would still tweet at us all the time, go light the world. Um, We started to use this little hashtag, this little thing that just kind of remind ourselves um, where we were. And then I've got a picture of a bunch of tweets. Um, It started to catch on on my college campus, my very public (laughs) college campus, um, that people started tweeting this. Um, People that I knew for a fact were not Christians were asking me what this hashtag meant. Um, what this was about, what was Go Light the World. Um, People were making mugs. Um, If you go to the next slide, people were making t-shirts. That this little Go Light the World like took over our college campus. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I just couldn't believe it. I saw it everywhere I went. Um, And there were people in in my friend group that I knew weren't Christians that I had basically been working on for three years at this point but couldn't get them to have a real spiritual conversation with me. They were coming up to me asking about Go Light the World, and I was sharing the gospel with them. Um, And it was just an incredible thing that I would have never had access to um, if it wasn't for Taylor. Um, And then also, one of our good friends, if you go to the next slide, this is Josie. Taylor's on the right. Josie's on the left. Um, Josie was also in the car accident that night. Um, She survived. She went through a couple years of rehab. Um, and she still bears the physical scars of the accident. Um, but Josie, before the accident, was kind of had a shaky faith. Um, we weren't ever really sure where she stood. She was two years younger than me, so I wasn't quite as close to her as Taylor was. Um, but we were never really sure where she stood in her faith. And so after the accident, 
I was really nervous um, what would happen with Josie. But really what happened was that Josie immediately turned to God. <laughs> Josie, just like that, in an instant, just basically ran to God in full surrender. Um, and is now one of the strongest Christians I know, um, which is just incredible. Um, another thing that happened, uh, if you go to the next slide, is Taylor's mom started a blog um, where she was posting. It's called uh, One Good Thing. So every day might not be great, but every day has one good thing. Um, and so she was posting every single day one good thing that happened that day. And it became an incredible source for other moms um, and dads who had gone through the same thing. And it became something really special. Um, and it got a lot of readers on it for just a blog that she randomly started, really just for herself. So all of a sudden, this was about six months later, I started to see all these little bitty tiny things that made it, again, I'm not going to say it instantly made it all worth it, but there's a, there was enough evidence for me to know that God is still good. Um, even in those really dark times, that God is still good. Um, that he does actually always have a plan, because these are just the things that I saw. Um, and I know he's doing so much more. He doesn't just let people die in vain like that. And so I know that he's using it. Um, and so when the hard times come, we live with hope. Um, and I just say, like I said, this is just one of those insane instances of pruning where something gets taken away, but it leads to something greater um, because it's something that God has a plan for. <laughs> I know you hate hearing that because I do too, but it's true as much as we hate it. Um, so that leads to the end of my college uh, career. After college, I got married there's a picture of my husband and I on our wedding. Um, and then I got a job, basically my dream job um, in student ministry. I was working in Austin, Texas um, at a student ministry. If you go to the next slide, this is us um, in Galveston. We also did a mission trip in Galveston. Um, so this is us in Galveston, all hanging out. Um, I absolutely loved my job. Um, the next two years were another great period of growth for me, um, where God was just constantly pushing me. Um, and teaching me tons of new things, whether I liked it or not, but it was a great two years that I absolutely loved. And then at the end of those two years, um, God called me to follow my husband to Temple. Um, so I gave up my job and moved here, a little more pruning for you. Um, and I've been here for the last two years, and I've absolutely loved it. And I'm so glad, again, I loved my job, but I know that this was the right move for us. And again, it's just another one of those times that God took something away and gave me something so much greater. Um, so that is pretty much my life story, and if I could sum it up for you guys, it's that God has always been good, and God always will be good. Um, it doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's, whether it's good times, whether it's the growth times, I've had a lot of seasons of growth, or whether it's those really, really hard, tough times, um, that God has always been good, and God always will be good. So you have discussion questions at your table, go ahead.